Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry, and uh, although it may not sound like me, like normal, it's uh, just that little bit sexier. You're welcome, listeners. Uh, so, uh, Max is here, Terry is here. Um, guys, uh, what's been going on? Let's start off, let's pretend like football's not the most important thing in the world. Uh, Max... You hinted off off camera that you've watched some something really good this weekend. Yep. What did you watch? And I'm hoping this leads into this really juicy discussion about film. And- well, <laughs> because football just hasn't done me well over these last couple of days, I've been hibernating, and um, I'm a big Quentin Tarantino fan. And for some reason, um, I have I've not watched the Kill Bills, so I watched the first two over the last few days and they are mm-hmm. awesome what, what what do you like about the Kill Bill films Uma Thurman I, like it, it's weird to I me mean, to see a female protagonist like because it's easy to run with like a stereotype and she just she's so badass it's unbelievable mm-hmm. like she's uh, she's like out of all the you know films I've watched with a female protagonist The Bride, probably, I've not even watched the third one yet, but I'm like, oh my god yes, I know why pop culture adores her so much mm. Those films are great Like to be honest, I love anything Tarantino, like it, from his older stuff like Reservoir Dogs Pulp Fiction to the newer stuff like Django and um, Glorious Bastards and Glorious Bastards is probably my favourite, I didn't really like The Hateful Eight I watched it again recently, mm. and when I saw it in the cinema, I was like, oh, that wasn't that good. I was expecting that to be so much better. But then when I watched it a second time, it's it's all right. It's yeah. it's not it's not great. It not doesn't seem to really go anywhere. No, it's, I don't know whether it's it's got some... I don't know whether a film student would, like, see more in it and, like, oh, this is good because of this and that, and, you know, that's, that's 17 for you, but... That's the only one I've ever really watched from him, and it let me down. But I, I love everything else he's done, so I wish I could watch any of his films that I've seen before for the first time again. Because especially Kill Bill, it's like it's like overwhelming on the senses. That oh, it was amazing. Just like see, like that first scene. I can't I forget the name where she like where she kills the first person in the assassin squad, and she turns up at a house. And Is it Vivica like, Fox? Yeah, Vivica she's Fox? just like some orderly housewife, and next thing they just start swinging at each other and going to some big Mortal Kombat standoff. It's like, holy shit. It was cool. The daughter comes in, doesn't she, and they pretend yeah. that they're this <laughs> Lear fighting. And, uh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, Kill Bill... I was just going to say, Kill Bill, I always describe it as an orgy of excess. Because it is just like... I remember an interview with Tarantino, he was talking about... Uh, He's, he says, I wanted to see how far I could push myself in, when in terms of, of limits. So the fight scenes are all like super excessive. The blood, the mm. blood, it looks like they just have somebody squirting a, yeah, a just hose. A machine. It's just ridiculous. Huh. It's so, but it's intentionally over the top. That's the yeah. thing. It, it almost reminds me of reading like a graphic novel, you know, how they kind of go over the top like that. Um, Tarantino writes cool dialogue. It's usually cool. And I have this theory 
that I don't, I don't know if Quentin Tarantino, and I can say this from experience, I'm not sure if Tarantino thinks of himself as really cool, as in like, so he projects all of like what he wanted in his life, like on his characters. So all his characters are like super freaking cool and mm. they all have like really cool sounding dialogue, you know what I mean? And so it's, uh, it, but if that dialogue isn't, isn't perfectly executed, it can come across a little meh, you know, but, uh, yeah, Tarantino is the, I feel like it's one of the first things that film students are like, Ooh, that's got my attention. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not subtle. No, of course that's con- <laughs> it's, it's controversial. So of course, if you're going down the film school route, it's gonna it's gonna crop crop up in your attention, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the best scenes for dialogue, um, just just best scenes in general, is the very start of Inglorious Bastards. Where um, are you talking about that- the Christoph oh, Waltz scene? Christo- yeah, yeah. Oh, so cool. And he and he sits there and he's like he's charming and he's like disarms him and. You know, he, he makes even though he's like knows what he is and who he is, he's just sitting there being like you know dead like nice and you know, he's they're both smoking pipes and he's got this big ridiculous like Sherlock Holmes looking one and literally in a split second he just is just facial acting is unbelievable in it he changes so quickly when he accuses him of hiding the family under the floorboards and. The, the way the scene, that everything about it just turns around on that one statement going, you're hiding them under your floorboards, aren't you? Mm. And the guy just sort of, like, bottles it because he's mm-hmm. been so, like, you know, mind-beaten by the guy, yeah. uh, by, by Lander. And, oh, the film's so good. You, I could literally watch that scene for the acting in it um, over and over again. Like, it's it's such a horrible subject and, you know, and whatnot, but it's just the, the acting from both actors, but especially Christoph Walters is sensational in that scene. It's we're talking about a, a a director who has done very good dialogue scenes, very mm. good ones, iconic dialogue scenes. For some reason, and I'm not a huge Inglorious Bastards fan. That particular film, I have some weird ethical stuff, which I feel like is a long conversation with you two guys one day. But <laughs> it's not this one. But but that scene, it's my favorite scene in the whole movie, and it may be my favorite Tarantino dialogue scene. It's really, really well executed. You know, there's so much other good dialogue, but this one's actually shot well too. I it's might just... go for the Pulp Fiction opening diner scene, Honey Bunny. Oh yeah, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Oh, and then she just jumps on the table. Fantastic. Oh, I'm a big yeah. fan of any of uh, the the any of the uh, Jules and Vincent dialogue scenes in that film too. Yeah. When he's talking yeah. about giving a foot massage. You know, <laughs> and then when he goes in there and he actually he spouts off the Bible verse, and I will strike uh, down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger. Yeah, I I know a lot of that. So <laughs> that one, the, um, oh, so little good. little tidbit we've mentioned before about you know like the the Marvel Studios line of films. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of the scenes, um, I forget which which film is it. I think it's Winter Soldier, so Captain America two. Oh, uh, spoiler alert it. for that Damn film. It. Anyone who, uh, who I haven't seen it, yeah. But there's a there's a scene in it where mm. you're looking at Nick Fury's tombstone, mm. who's played by Samuel Jackson, mm. and it says on the tombstone, Ezekiel, whatever it is, oh, no it, uh, it says Path of the Righteous Man underneath. <laughs> oh my so that's, gosh, so that's Fury's tombstone because it's Samuel Jackson. That is not even hidden. 
Like if I'd <laughs> Oh no, that's fantastic. That's great. I love that. <laughs> uh, by the way, I still talk about Big Kahuna Burger and your delicious beverage to wash the burger down. That's just... <laughs> yeah, man. It's... Uh, that's the thing. I There are times... like I, Oh, Hateful Eight, by the way, I was going to mention. It's felt like a play, right? It's primarily in one room. And I think that was him trying to flex, again, flex his muscles and push himself to see if he could make a film that could hold people's interest for a long time that felt like a play in practically one room. You know? Mm-hmm. That's what I... I saw that almost... He likes to do little experiments, which I respect. Um, and he can he can do that now. Because he's... He's just like, oh, I want to do this movie. You know? I want to make it the, the Golden Girls in space. Sure, let's do it. You know? Everyone will do what, <laughs> what Tarantino wants to do. Tarantino's like, see, I got this idea. It's a, it's a toe fungus. And it, it's trying to take over Oklahoma. That sounds fantastic, Quentin. Let's do this. You know, it's <laughs> – but he can do that. But I do admire the fact that he pushes himself like that, those little challenges, you know. Um, yeah. Kill Bill. Uh, yeah, Uma. You mentioned Uma. She's she, – I, I think – I'm trying to remember who said – I think it was the guy who plays Bill. What is his name? I'm sorry. I think he's it was in Kung Fu. That was the that was the joke there because you remember in Pulp Fiction he goes just basically walk the earth like Kang in Kung Fu. It's the guy who plays in Kung Fu. That's the oh. actor. It's uh, this is screwing with me right now, but that's him. And uh, by the way, Hattori Hanso, the guy who played, uh, is actually Sonny. The show, the show, dude. That's Sonny Chiba, who they talk about in True Romance, and Tarantino wrote that. Going to see a Sonny ah, Chiba yeah. film, he was a martial arts film hmm. guy. There's some, t- Tarantino so does that. So he just clever. messes with you, dude. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, Tarantino's got like a weird thing. I don't know what the, the exact science of it, but he said in the past that all of his films are connected, but yeah. some, of them, some of them are like, the real world and some of them are movies in that world so mm. an example is the people from pulp fiction um would go and see kill bill in the movies that can't you know like some weird like because mm. everything's mm-hmm. got a shared universe i think he just thought of it and made it up <laughs> yeah like yeah that that that's my shared universe some of it is real and some of it is their version of the movie so it's like a three-layered sort mm. of universe that's weird i'd have to study that to actually figure out how that process how that even functions you know what i mean all right so now i'm gonna have to go home and watch some kind i think it's been a while since i've seen reservoir dogs maybe i need to watch that yes the best one it it totally ruined that steelers wheel wheel song for me now every single time i hear stuck in the middle with you I'm thinking about an ear getting cut off. <laughs> <laughs> and then gasoline doused all over. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right, guys. So clearly we could we could talk about this for an, uh, another three hours. Um, but we need to move to the actual point of the podcast, which is, uh, yeah, Everton football. Uh, we're going to start, uh, by the way, for the podcasters, here's a summary. We're going to start with the city reaction because, yeah, we actually uh, showed up and played city. This weekend, that's a thing. It happened. Um, Max was there, I believe, and he's going to talk about how his fingers are still not thawed out. So, see, 
because I, 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 it looked really chilly. Just saying. Uh, mm. uh, then we'll move on and talk about our defense. Um, us playing five at the back uh, this weekend, or three at the back, which is essentially five, whatever, uh, has gotten us. Uh, we just need to talk. All right, Mina had some uh, questionable passes out of the back, and so yeah, Zuma took over it right back. Just a lot of defensive questions right now we need to address. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll uh, we'll do a half year review. Silva, how you doing? How do we think Marco's doing? Um, just kind of go over go over uh, what, what we think. Uh, give him some. Well, we're not going to give him grades, but you know what I mean. Um, we're going to finish up with if you know your history. Uh, Everton quiz. Terry versus Max. We're going to be it's a starters where you got to name all the starters and the subs are played and all that <laughs> stuff. Go back and forth, and the person who wins gets to pick a tune. Close the show. Right. It's their gold medal. Uh, so, guys, city reaction. Starting with Max, because I teased it in the podcast, but uh, Max, were you cold? <laughs> Do you know what, right? I mean, I was on the second tier, so that might have had, you know, that might have put me at a bit of an advantage oh, in yeah? comparison to others. But I wasn't as cold as some people made it out to be. Um, I think maybe I think it was after we were one 0 down. It was quite funny. The fellow in front of me, I think he only had like a polo shirt on. God knows why. But, like <laughs> he, he was, he was, he was debating on getting off, and he said his mate was trying to get him to stay. He turned around to his mate. He went, "I'm not standing in this cold, freezing me tits off watching that." <laughs> and I think that it sums up how the performance was. To be honest, mm-hmm. it wasn't a very good performance. Um, I think from the. Um, we were in it until they scored the first goal. I think we kind of cheaply give away that first goal. And at the moment you go 1-0 down against Manchester City at the Etihad, I think you're fighting too much of an uphill battle. Um, I compared it when I was doing my Five Things article to basically a trip to the Camp Nou, which, I mean, it lacks atmosphere, to say the least. The atmosphere was absolutely abysmal. But how good are Manchester City? Yeah. I mean, we can't overreact to it. They are literally, in my opinion, the greatest Premier League side I've seen. And... You know, the, the moment you try and play out from the back or the moment they lose possession, they are creating shapes and closing you down at all angles and there's not much you can do about it unless you know how to beat them. I think Liverpool, more than anyone else, have you know provided the blueprint on how to beat them and that's pretty much the meat fire with fire. Um, we showed them far too much respect by you know opting to go with the five at the back from the off. I think we we'd lost it from there, to be honest. But um, you know, we can't get too disheartened about it. It's just, I think the only reason some people are overreacting at the moment is because we didn't pick up a win against uh, Watford, mm. Newcastle, yeah. and we should have got points out of that Liverpool game. So this makes this run look a lot worse than what it actually is. Yeah, I saw. I see a lot of negativity. Uh, you know, <laughs> our supporters overreacting. No, you know, <laughs> really. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, a lot of people are are down, and I think you call that right, Max. The idea that you know having what we consider two two games where we should have been grabbing six and we grab two, two points when we're past mm-hmm. four matches doesn't really make us feel warm and fuzzy. Uh, but mm-hmm. Terry, I, I got to be honest, like I rewatched the game today because that's what I do. I rewatch all the games like four times. No. I, I didn't really get to watch it very much on Saturday because my kids had games. So uh, I, after watching it today, though, it's pretty fresh. 
I didn't think it was that bad. Do you think it was as bad as what everybody's saying, Terry? I mean, uh, I'll give my reasons in a minute. Um, uh, no, I, I don't. I'm, I'm more with you. I mean, I, I agree with the bulk of what Max said, but it's we were unfortunate. Like we we don't need to be given a team like Man City freeze like we did. Like it, there were some individual errors in there which cost goals, but the biggest thing was the the missed opportunities. Like the the, the yeah, shot from we made Richard, chances. The shot from Richarlison that he, he skies over and and. Some of the other like good uh, attacking opportunities we had, we were well in the game. But if you're if you're gonna go away to Man City, you cannot go and a give away a goal in the manner we gave away the first one, and then b not take a chance when it comes to it. Like you need everything to be clicking. You can't you can't be wasteful and beat Man City. They're, they're not compatible. The two things. I mean, I think the the main issue has already been been touched on. It's been exacerbated by. The fact that we had the two home games where, I mean, the second you start banking on on wins is when ever you know, <laughs> and, and remind you not to do that. So when when you make when you make plans when you start putting it in the bank before you've got them, God laughs. Oh, so it's it's a I understand people being frustrated, but it's a, it's not just this game in isolation. It's the build up of should they got to draw against Liverpool and then let them win in like really painful fashion. We were good enough to have beaten Newcastle in the first half and then Watford, we were the masters of our own demise by having a mad two, three minutes mm-hmm. and having to rescue a point. Um, we were, just like the other top six teams we've played so far, we were well in this game. We we gave them a match and we just, a bit of naivety, I think, was the problem. We weren't taking our chances. We were being silly at the back with the ball and we saw a few times that if we actually pressed them high and then went over the top with the ball they, they were very uncomfortable they didn't like it and we didn't stick to it we went we we started playing out from the back which i'm not against i'm not against full time but you don't do it against man city mm. look at arsenal at the beginning of the season arsenal tried it and got absolutely mullered for their efforts the three at the back I don't like it. I understand why he's done it because of Idris yeah. Agave being injured and the fact that it's Man City, they're not. I, I don't think Silva will employ three at the back very often. Um, we might not even see it again this season. But I, it's not a normal game. It's, <laughs> it's uh, No one goes, apart from perhaps Liverpool, no one goes and plays Man City and plays their own game. They always try and accommodate and adjust themselves to the City team. And we found out when we got onto the pitch that probably wasn't the best way to go. There was no way of knowing beforehand that we were going to have so much joy going attacking them. But before the match, I, I was I was banged up for the for the team he put out and thought that's probably as best as you can expect, given the key injury to the you know there's no like for like player for the dresser guy. There's holding midfielders, but they haven't played for weeks and weeks and weeks, and they don't do the same job as him anyway. So it would have been quite unfair to bring one in and go. Yeah, you're going to mark Bernardo Silva yeah. and, and you know, the, the, the best attacking midfielders in the country. So, frustrating, not the end of the world. Honestly, we've got three games coming up. Tottenham will be a difficult one, and then we've got the two away games. Mike, I, I can see us getting... Um, if we win two out of the three of those, it's not easy. But if we get a, if we get the next when the next win comes, I think everyone will just yeah. ease up a little <laughs> bit, the tension. And then you've got... The transfer window being open and people will really start changing their attitude then, hopefully. Yeah. 
Jack Wilshire. All right. <laughs> that was remembering <laughs> times long past. I I, I got to be honest. I I didn't think we did poorly. I I saw like you guys. I saw Silva's the wheels going in Silva's head. The idea of just a gay being out. It's almost like he just wants to put the eleven best players out there. You know what I mean? So he's thinking, would I rather have Zuma on the field or Tom Davies on the field? Well, it depends on what you're trying to do situationally. You know, and I think situationally you're playing against a team that creates a lot of chances and does a lot of op- overlapping and runs behind. And Pep actually commented on us well, having three in the three at the back. It was actually shutting them down a lot. Well, if you, if you look in particular with, I think it, it was in, in, in prime example for each three of their goals, it was bread and butter for them, pu- pushing the ball out into the wide positions, squaring it into the middle and, you know, easy, easy finish. It, they, they still look so much better yeah. than us. That I think that was the point I was trying mm-hmm. to make. We did make it look easy. We made it easy for them, a lot easier than it should have been anyway. And to me, that, that shows volumes of how, just how inexperienced we are just yet in terms of playing I the I think it's there. also, my biggest issue that I saw was basic communication between our, our center backs. Okay? Yes, Mina made that bad pass for the first goal. Okay? However... Jesus made that run behind. Keen does not go with him. Zuma does not pick it up. Okay? Mm. Who's supposed to be on that? All right, well, they're hardly ever in that situation in games. You know, when it comes to uh-huh. Zuma playing on that side and Keen being here, it just doesn't happen often. So that happens, right? Then on uh, Jesus, I mean, by the way, the cross from, was it Sané on that one? Pinpoint. Yeah. Uh, that's what I mean, though. It's the bread and butter. They're, they're so used to doing that now, and they get, they get goals mm-hmm. for fun doing that move over and over and over. It was frustrating because if you you know if you want to damage City, you need them men pushing forward on the mm-hmm. counter and uh, on, on the counter press, and ha- playing that five at the back it just limits us, limited us in terms of numbers. You know, we've we got, we got three centre-halves in the box, and when we're trying to push out and hit them on the counter, we can't because we haven't got enough men. Oh, it, yeah. You know, because... The way, you know, we just when we didn't take our chances when they came, so I am disappointed. I do think we should have played a lot mm-hmm. better. Physic, you know, physically being there, I can't say I don't think we played mm-hmm. as well as as personally used to have said. I thought we were poor, and I think we've got to, you know, we've got to answer that against Tottenham. That's another big game. That we've well, got I think to a lot with. of people would agree with you on that, Max. Uh, I just thought that because we created chances and we didn't finish them, it's the way we've done on every single top six side. Every single one we've played, we've had chances and we have not been clinical. Every mm. single time. And every single game, the opposition has had opportunities as well. It usually, in terms of opportunities, it's one of those things. If we took our chances, you have a different game. All right? Richarlison yeah. had two chances, very clear chances, that he skied over, mm. both of them. All right? He's a good player, uh, but he made some mistakes. You know, it happens. Mm, I think credit's got to go to Calvert yes. as well. There, yeah, you, you can't question his ability in the air now. The amount of decent headers that he scored. And he almost the, had that little behind the back know. flick. Don't that, it was it was just painful. So good looking point. though. I didn't, even, like, oh. I didn't I didn't expect it to go. In. I didn't either. But when he did it, I was like, 
<laughs> oh man, he really impressed me. He, he looks uh, better this year. Like I, I, he was useful last year for you know a job. He was overplayed last year and overexposed, but mm-hmm. it's a really good game. He might Silver's laid the gauntlet down to him now. Going to see if you can be our number nine because clearly no one else has, has grasped it. He, I think we might see a little bit more of him coming mm-hmm. up, especially these two away games around mm-hmm. Christmas mm-hmm. because the, his energy and strength and that. They, he's like a perfect away player where you're going to need his physical skills, mm-hmm. whereas at home he's, he gets tested a little bit more with the ball because teams tend to sit back against us and that's where he tends to struggle. But mm-hmm. he's every time he's played against City, I think he's mm-hmm. had a good game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no mean for a young player, is it? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I... Uh... I think he gradually settled in. He looked a little excitable, lost possession early, uh, gradually got more and more confident. And when you see some of the things he was doing on the ball, it was exciting. It was great to see. You want to see a young kid and doing you, that. You see when, you see when, when Luckman came yes. on in particular, I think that brought his game up another level too. Luckman, again, off the bench. Big boost. Mm. When, we got, when we got rid of the five at the back and went to four at the back and actually kind of – we went with that. By the way, playing that second yeah. – center mid position for Sigurdsson doesn't really do a lot for him. No, again, I think that's a product of messing about with the five-back. I think that situation would never arise if we just stuck to our guns. The moment that we took, we moved Kurt Zuma out to right-back, he was exposed mm-hmm. straight away because that's where their, their other goal came from. So, it was, so, you know, I just... You could tell they just spotted our weaknesses and, and, and exploited them yeah. fully, um, which is a bit concerning because it just it, it you know it speaks to me that we're just nowhere near that level yet. But you know you've got to look at it with some hindsight. How many years into their takeover are they compared to us? We've still got you know a good few and years had to go. More years judge. with their manager. Um, we haven't even had a year with our manager, uh, mm. and Pep actually did speak positively about about our play about uh our squad um he knew we had chances he did um mm. it was totally opposite of last season when <laughs> i'm thinking specifically about our game at at home uh when we played at goodison against them uh that was one of the more depressing football matches i've watched just because we barely touched the ball yeah. This time, when we got the ball, we looked comfortable. We looked comfortable in the. It, it, there's just something. There's some. There's some sort of mental hurdle we need to get past about getting an opportunity in front of the net. We had some. We did. You know. We've and if we're going to be competing with these teams that dominate possession, you have to take advantage when you get it. That's the thing that just crushed me. Um, it was frustrating. But again. I'm not as dis- as depressed as a lot of people are on this one because I, I thought they, I, I see progress. You know, I really do. Uh, I didn't think we were straight up dominated. You know, I didn't think it was mm-hmm. just total domination. If it was, then we wouldn't have had the opportunities we had. You know, I'd, I'd love to see us put more on goal. How about that instead of putting them in the bleachers? You know, uh, that'd, be, mm-hmm. that'd be a start. Put some, make Ederson work. Um, yeah I didn't really have any problems with the officiating didn't really have any you know I just thought they're they're good 
and I thought we did what we could on in terms of uh, in terms of formation. And I love seeing a formation switch from a manager realizing we need goals, so let's change it up and not per- persisting with the same plan. You know what I mean? I like seeing that every once in a while. Well, he's well, he's doing he's doing that. He's really done mm-hmm. it the last two games, didn't he? And he's done it a few times this season. It worked against Crystal Palace, and it hasn't looked mm-hmm. to have worked. These last few times, he's well. This he's one, at least, it. we saw an uptick in play. You know, yeah, we looked more impressive at that point. So, um, okay, so mixed reactions on this one is basically where we're at on this. Um, and I, I, I think I would be more negative if I would have been out there in the cold with Max, with other supporters who were also negative. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that kind of stuff uh yeah that yeah. Um but we've got Spurs coming up this weekend. That's a thing. So we move on. So does the team. I'll be curious as to what Silva's going to do and who's healthy for that one. Cuz that'll affect a lot. Um we haven't talked as much about the defense. We're going to next segment. We're going to talk about defensive dilemma. We're going to uh talk about playing 5 in the back versus 4 in the back. Coleman getting subbed early, uh, and us going with Zuma at right back, which uh, Terry called. Just saying, and I'll probably say it again next next segment. Terry called it, uh, and then uh, Mina versus Zuma. A lot of people are reacting to Mina's play. Is this an overreaction or is this a sign of things to come? We'll discuss. We need to talk defense. Um, defense. Uh, so you got to make sure I do, put the right, right emphasis on the right syllable there. Um, so guys, recently we went five at the back. Some people say three at the back. It's really five. You know when you actually watch bunkered back uh, against City. Um, but traditionally, we're Silva's been su- setting us up with with four. Okay. So I think the 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 general consensus among the three of us is we prefer four with our players and with our setup. Um, uh, really quick, uh, Max has talked about kind of the the transitioning between defense and attack and not having enough in the center to be able to kind of move that ball forward. I fully agree. I fully agree with that. Um Terry, as far as – can you think of any other, I guess, uh, drawbacks to, to rolling with five in the back besides kind of uh, that issue in the center of the pitch? I hate it. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> in fact, to play that system, you need a very specific set of players that suit it. We haven't got that, and I don't mm. think we've ever had that. Every time we play five at the back – it's well, nominally three at the back, but reality five at the back – we never play well, and a lot of managers will go for it, thinking it will shore up the defence. It actually hurts the defence, because the defence, often the defenders are uncomfortable in the formation because they don't know where they're meant to be, because they don't train with it, and they don't play with that formation. Chelsea did five, uh, did three at the back uh, a couple of seasons ago under, under Antonio yeah. Conte, and they had the perfect storm to play that. Mm-hmm. They had, crucially, wing-backs, which we don't have. They had... Um, Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso, who would go up and down that wing all day. 
and never, ever tire. In the midfield, they had N'Golo Kante and Cesc Fabregas. They had a playmaker and a destroyer. Now, we might have that. Um, Garner and Gomez fit that mould. But at the back, they had ball-playing defenders because their defenders, like David Luiz, were relied on a lot to make the killer forward passes Mm -hmm. to the front three, which we don't have. Michael Keane's okay on the ball. Yerry Mina... The last game notwithstanding seems okay on the ball mm-hmm. but are, play, then are they good enough to, to split the defence I don't think so David Luiz was a, was a sort of defender come midfielder so it worked for them and the biggest part was their personnel suited it ours don't but two players at most will suit the system mm. it, 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 and, it, and it upsets the players who are good players because they don't know where they're meant to be half the time. They don't know whether to come or go. They don't know where they're, who they're meant to be picking up. We saw it again against uh, Man City. A lot of the problem you mentioned in the last video, Jerry, that the not just Mina with the the lazy sort of punt into the middle of the pitch. The two other centre backs don't know who they're meant to be picking up because right. they're in unnatural positions from what they're used to. I absolutely hate five at the back for Everton. I know. I hope we don't play it again. So, Max, while Terry is flip-flopping and not really telling us what he really feels, uh, Max, <laughs> I was expecting you to like give me a little situation. You're like, no, it's the worst in the world. <laughs> I, I, now, Silva employed it last game, Max. Uh, would you have preferred he roll with Tom Davies in the center? Uh, or do you think situationally it actually was acceptable for a little while against City, at least until City scored? I I had this kind of weird brainwave. I would have even preferred to have seen Kurt Zuman in midfield rather than go. Other people were talking about that may have been the setup. A lot of people yeah, said that. Yeah, he'd be a lot more comfortable with sitting back, holding, mm-hmm. you know, picking off any loose runners. And, you know, he seemed like he's got the athletic ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Um I was just look. I was looking at the, the three centre halves in particular, and you know, looking at the past clubs who they've been at, and it, 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 they're just not made for the for the five or slash three at the back. Look, Michael Keane, obviously, he had that stability at, at Burnley, where you know, you know, that's bread and butter forward at the back. Yeah. Uh, Doom is obviously a weird one. He spent spent last season at Stoke, and you know, they're not they're not expansive enough to be playing a five back. Right. And you know, other than that, Saint Etienne and and Chelsea. Uh, Yerry Mina, I mean, Jerry, you might know more about when he played in Brazil, but as we know with Barcelona, they are schooled with 4 3 3. So I don't know. I mean, I, I know it seems to be this more postmodern pr- like approach that the coaches like to, you know, put out there to make them look like they can they can cope with different systems, but this just didn't contain Manchester City at all. The more like. Pickford was playing short balls out to Mina in particular, and Mina because he was closed down so quickly, he was just ending up punting it upfield. And someone said near me when I was at the game, and rightly so, there's literally no difference between Pickford hitting it long and Mina hitting it long. And to be honest, Pickford's distribution was pretty poor against Man City as well. So if you you know if you centre back and your goalkeeper's having a bad day in terms of playing out. Against Manchester City, you're just going to invite pressure onto yourself, and we did that, and we just got absolutely mauled in the wide areas. Yeah, Pickford, one second he'd put one out of bounds, and then he, the next second, one second he'd 
put one completely in Bernard's step as he's like running mm-hmm. toward the line. Yeah, it's just straight. right now yeah, with straight. Pickford. Well, plus, I mean, you're, you've got rainy conditions, which isn't helping. Uh, rainy cold conditions, which isn't helping. But yeah, still, I think it's one of those things. He's de- he deals with inconsistency with his uh, with his feet. That happens often with him. You know, it's just one of those things. He's still developing. He's still young. You know? Yeah, he's really yeah. young. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so four. If we roll with four, I think it's pretty clear. You 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 roll with Dean on the left, and Keen I think has has earned a spot as one of your two center backs. Now, before this past game, I think we would have said at the moment, Mina is is our starter with Keen. Uh, mm. However, based on this past performance. Uh, I mean, I did make misplay some balls. It did happen. Uh, and uh, there were a couple of times where maybe his communication with his surrounding defenders wasn't, wasn't what it should be. And he also, for the first goal, he played, he left uh, Gabriel Jesus onside because uh, mm. he didn't push out quickly enough. Um, yeah. Is Zuma the way to go for the next one? Or, you know what I mean? So, Terry, what do you think if you've got a choice between Mina and Zuma as Keane's partner? Uh, Mina, for me. Mm. Um, not, that I don't, not that I dislike Zuma. I think Zuma's a really good player. I'd hope we keep him. But, um, yeah, I, Mina had a bad game, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't drop him. I, I still think he's the right player for how we're playing and how we want to play at the minute because mm. he's really good in one-on-ones. Zuma is as well. Um I'd like to see us try and build with with me, and I don't want to just drop him after like the odd, you know, a few ropey games because feasibly he he's got the man of the match in his debut against Chelsea, and then we should have really had a clean sheet against Liverpool. That goal was obviously nothing the defense could have done anything about. So he's a player for for big games. Obviously, it's not against them in this recent one, but I, I'd be looking at Keane and Mina still. Yeah, Max, what do you think? I'm going to have to say Zuma. I saw that look on your face, and I knew what you were going to say. You had that little, like, I'm going to say something different face. <laughs> no, no, no. Because, you know, Teddy's given, you know, really compelling points to put me in, in the team. It, for me, it, you know, play for your place. And to get beaten in the air by Gabriel Jesus, who's five foot nine, and Raheem Sterling, who's five foot seven. I'm sorry, you need to sit out and look at the repercussions of your actions. But they there. jump really high. <laughs> yeah. I was kidding, sorry. <laughs> he, wasn't he wasn't great for the Newcastle goal either, to be fair. Like, exactly. He was not, not entirely a fault. So I do take what Max is saying. Um, Zuma could very much feel aggrieved for not coming back in the team, considering Bean has made some high-profile mistakes. But I was going to say, is that is Deli Ali fit for the for the Tottenham game? Could, could you imagine him coming up against Yeri Mina? The, that just looked like a, a little scrap waiting to happen. That's, Seeing that's, him with Harry Kane as well. Yeah, I, I worry about like, Mina getting a getting a red in that one. I feel like yeah. I feel like the the officials never see all the stuff that Deli Ali does to piss off the opposition. He's so like clever about being a jerk. <laughs> Edison, um, Edison, when he picked up Mina as well, he I think he changed his mind when Mina got in his face. Yeah. He was yeah. like. Pick- they get up, what do you fall down for? I just don't know and what Mina's doing putting his forehead to anybody. I think we should have learned that lesson uh, by now, right? 
Oh no! It's just the, the new players need to realise that you will walk in the Premier League for stuff like that. You're not, you especially in Mina's case, you're not at Barcelona now. You will not get away with it. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll not be protected by the referee. Yeah. Um, having said that, he did get bumped in the back on that play. Now he fell down theatrically. But he did get bumped in the back. That was one of those where I thought, man, if you just hadn't sold it like that, maybe they would have gotten something, you know? Just this over-the-top embellishment. Uh, I feel like it pisses the refs off, you know what I mean? Um, it would annoy me. <laughs> I know that. Um, so uh, I personally would give Mina one more chance versus Spurs. Um just because he he is our player. That's there you go. I would give him one more shot at that. Uh and if uh and if he gives me any reason to to wonder Zuma goes in. You know what I mean? If he gives me any reason. But uh this was this was the the first game where I saw him make multiple mistakes. You know. Um however the fact that they were running a different system, I feel like it was going to someone was probably going to get exposed. Like who is it going to be? Um, so yeah, and I think it, it, I think it's easy to pick on him too. You know, uh, just because I don't know that every single one of those was his fault. Mm. I don't. I think poor communication between the the defenders just could have been better. Uh, one last thing, guys. We need to talk about Coleman. Um, I didn't see where Coleman looked. Uh, it wasn't the worst game I've seen Coleman play this weekend. Uh, however, he got subbed early, and we pushed Zuma out to the right, who doesn't really give us anything going forward, which I found strange that uh, we, we took Coleman out, who actually was getting forward some. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure who wants to start on this, but right now it seems like our two right backs are either uh, Coleman or Zuma, which means pretty clearly we need a right back soon, right? Yeah. Mm. I mean, we, we, we said it a couple of weeks ago, and we, we definitely need like a, a Luca Dean on the right-hand side, don't mm. we? I mean... The fact that he left Zuma on it right back mm. sort of says it all. I and Silva seems to be sort of settling on a smaller group of players within his twenty-five of who he trusts. And I think Coleman started off in it in that yeah. group, and he's finding his he's sort of through his the, through performances the last couple of weeks he's finding himself out of it. Now at the minute he can't do anything about it, and he is still one of the leaders of the team and. It's definitely good enough to be, you know, in the squad. He's, you know, but if you want to make this next step, you need better players. And you know, Seamus Coleman of today is not the Seamus Coleman of um, Roberto mm. Martinez's first season, where he terrorised Arsenal, and he he seems to have lost that crucial yard of pace now, and it's hurting him going in both directions. So the he can't get down the line and help attacking the way he used to, and he's getting found out a little bit in defence. I, I honestly, I think in January we might see two players come in. I think a, a striker and a right back. I don't. I think a right back was probably on the agenda for the summer, but it might be bumped forward now because if uh, the manager's going so far as to play in a centre back at right back, which he won't do long term. We won't see the next game. Coleman will still start against Spurs. It won't be Zuma yeah. at right back against them. 
but you can sort of see it's starting to turn now that they like maybe I need to make call. I, I, Coleman was probably a couple of years off at the start of the season from going the way of Baines, but I think that's all. I think people, I think the manager now is probably thinking, yeah, yeah, maybe he needs to go into the second choice and be that really strong, like sort of second choice right back who can push the new guy. Or if he does come in January, he can stay. Coleman can stay in the team, so the new guy can settle in slowly in his own pace. But yeah, it, it pains me to say it because we, we we've even spoken on here um, earlier in the season about how he's the new captain yeah. and all that. But this it's this season. It's it's basically it, this month is showing some of the deficiencies in the squad, and unfortunately, he is one. Yeah, I mm. I, I want to be clear. If I have a choice between Coleman or Zuma, I choose Coleman. And if I feel like Saturday, I would have stayed with Coleman if you were going to put. If it was between him and Zuma, I feel like Coleman is better equipped to stop one of the, you know, that cross. I think it was an assist that came from the side. Zuma let that get through. Um, I feel like Coleman is better suited and trains on that a lot more. I would have trusted Coleman in that situation a little bit more. Um, do I feel like he is game in, game out, providing what we did, what we should be getting out of that position? No. Uh, he needs competition. He, he needs someone else to spell him. Sometimes, it's. I was really hoping that person was going to be John Joe Kenny. Um, I think John Joe Kenny is the kind of person who can play every once in a while, but it's just it's a drawback in terms of experience. And Kenny does not give us consistency either. We need someone we can rely on for consistency, and we just don't have mm. that right now. I could see Kenny going out alone mm. this this January. Um, along with mm-hmm. Holgate, actually, uh, to Premier League opposition potentially, so because that's where I'd want them, you know. Um, mm. Holgate especially is good enough to play there. It's just he yeah, can't find his yeah. way in to our team. If I'm one of the lower down teams. I'd be right. I'd be all over mm-hmm. Coleman. Um, Not uh, Coleman, Kenny. sorry, Holgate. Somewhere. Or Holgate. Holgate. Yeah. Holgate. Yeah. Holgate, that's yeah yeah, Kenny's one of those. I'm not completely sure if he could play, <coughs> if someone would want him on loan in the Premier League. You know in the championship. You know that. Um, yeah. Anyway, basically we have more questions right now. But I think it's pretty safe to say it's if we take our four best defenders right now, it's Dean, Keane, Coleman, and either Zuma or Mina, you know? So, yeah. What really messes things up is when Idrissa Gay is hurt. <laughs> that that just, yeah. So that, that may tell us another position of need for January as well, though. That is a thing. So, all right, guys, anything else on our, on our defense? All right, guys. All right, so uh, I guess that's it for our defensive dilemma. Kind of has some, but, you know, if you really look at it, it sort of solves itself, you know, with really only one question. But when it comes to January, all bets are off. Things are different. Players come in. Total anarchy. So next, stay tuned for our half-year review. It's sort of like a report card, except I don't think we're giving letter grades. We're not, we're not that anal. Right now, I don't think. So, maybe maybe later. But, uh, yeah, half-year review on Silva. How's he doing? You can find out. Stay tuned. 
we need to talk about uh, about Marco, Marco Silva. How's he done? He's had uh, almost half, half a season to uh, to implement, uh, you know, work with his players, some players he brought in, uh, implement a system. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about that. Let's start with that because it's. I think all all three of us would say when you watch the team play, it's an improved game, period. Um, but let's start with style and system. Uh, typically runs that kind of a, I guess it's a four, four, two, three, one, sometimes shifting to like a four, three, three, you know what I mean? It just kind of depends, but typically he's running four at the back. Uh, so <clears throat> Terry, obviously we feel like this is a, a more exciting uh, <laughs> a team to watch as opposed to last season, which was like primarily defensive. Uh, wh- how do you feel like uh, the improvements uh, that uh, how we've improved in terms of style and system under Marco? Oh, there's a universal difference between what we're seeing now and the team that Sam Allardyce left. I mean, I, this is what we wanted. We wanted not just oh, we want to play nice attacking football and that's it. That's the the roof of what we want. We're actually seeing. Um, something to get behind, something you can see growing, and something you can see getting better as the players improve. The amount of distance covered um, by Silva and Brands in a couple of months is just massive. I mean, we went from being basically a, de- a depressed fan base um, for most of the last season, and then towards the end of ten, you know, absolutely nasty, and a good chance against the manager at Goodison Park and all that. Whereas now. I think the sort of um, <clears throat> the fans are a little bit less jaded now because they can see what they've been missing for so long. Like, yeah, there's there's reason to to enjoy going the match again because there's going to be you know there's going to be attacking football. There's going to be you know good players on the pitch who, who, who get you up off your feet. Like mm-hmm. some of the players you brought in, like Andre Gomez is one of the easiest. He just he just makes you enjoy watching the match because he's so smooth on the ball. Mm-hmm. A world difference from these performances that we had last season, where you've just got, you know, nothing against him, but Rooney just labouring about the pitch, trying his best to sort of find Yannick Bellassi on the left hand side. It's just like, oh, it's <laughs> it's a world, it's a world better. Like it's it, we we've come further in that regard than I thought we would in this amount <clears> of time. I don't think we have any right to be this much better to watch than. We were not even six months ago. But Max, how, how do you how are you feeling about uh, just uh, the general style of play that that Silva's bringing to uh, to pretty much every match? No, at least it is a style of play. Yeah, that's, that, I think that's the main thing. Like it, it. Uh, I hate refer. I hate like using Martinez as a reference point, but in that first season under Martinez, things went really well, mm-hmm. and it is a joy. To see the fullbacks bomb on and and you know us using the flanks to you know to play this attacking football that you know we we come to to love particularly under the like I mean we seen it under David Moyes with Baines and Pina and just how fantastic they were. You bringing in Luca Dean who looked like you know an able deputy for Leighton Baines mm-hmm. and looked like to be approaching the prime of his career. Obviously we've got this conundrum going on at right back, but you trust. The hierarchy of the club now to find someone to, you know, match the thunder of that left hand side. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the centre of the pitch, it it's a delight because we're not we're not splitting two as often. 
you know, how many times under Allardyce last season did the simple ball straight down the middle split us wide open? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got Idrissa Gay as the labourer and we've got Andre Gomez who has the ability to create magic, calm the game down and push the ball forward. And the attacking players now are, are quick, which was something that we didn't have under Allardyce. You know, we really lack pace. And something that I do face, it's really worth flagging up. But I think the average age of our squad has dropped dramatically just over these yeah. last six months. Yeah, I'm, I'm, don't quote me on this, but I heard someone say the other day it was something like the second youngest team in the league, which is obviously something that the fans will fully get behind. You know, we're, it's, Evertonians are weird as a, as a fan base, I think. You know, we, we, we often refer to this school of science. We want to see beautiful football played by, you know, younger players and we've atypically always had a kind of British base and you know I think that's going out a bit of going out the window a bit now with the you know with the globalization of the game and just the way the Premier League going but in terms of direction we are going forward now rather than sideways and backwards yeah I think uh, a manager like our previous manager not going to give him airtime but <laughs> Uh, that that um, points at any cost mentality. Um, set it up. Doesn't matter. We got a point. Doesn't matter. You know <clears throat> that particular mentality. Uh, I think for some clubs, maybe a club that has just been promoted, maybe that kind of mentality is acceptable. Maybe it works. But for a club that has a history, a club that has some money now, a club that's got a new stadium coming, that kind of mentality does not work. It's not acceptable for supporters, you know? In that that role, in that occupation of manager, you know, you've got to shoulder responsibility and that is something that Sam Allardyce just refused to do every single week. It'd be, you know, deflected this way, deflected that way. Oh, it's only so much, it's only so much I can do. It's all down to the players. Whereas with, with Marco now, there seem to be, you know, if we do, you know, if we do get beat or if we do drop points, there seem to be, you know, throwing up of the hands. It's like, okay, you know, we, and he, he knows himself. I, I think, you know, fingers crossed, touch wood, he is in it for the long term. And I'm sh- surely he knows this is only early doors in, in terms of the project that we're building and what we want to, to achieve. And I think a long way, you know, it goes a long way to shoulder some responsibility from that manager slash head coach role. Because that's what it is, really, isn't it? Obviously, with Brands as the director of football, he's very much of a head coach and in charge of the football inside of things. Mm. And I know it, it's weird because whenever you talk about Silver, I feel like you've always got to talk about the you know the external hierarchy of the club and the, the changes that have been made. I think we're so much more stable now, and that will stand us in good stead going forward. Yeah, and the other thing I want to mention that is nice is when you play against squads that maybe more money has been put into and so technically they're supposed to be more talented we're getting chances to score goals it's not a situation where we're literally playing for a scoreless draw and we get no chances on goal and we're okay with that no that never happens we are going out there to beat everybody regardless now we may be a little more conservative but we're still taking chances you know, uh, I, I think that mentality, I I like that mentality. You know, you go out there to beat everybody. It's not accepted defeats, expected defeats. 
that's not something, that's not a thing for Silva, you know, which I love. Um, let's talk about uh, our attack um, in terms of uh, scoring goals and whatnot. The signings that have been made, obviously, Charlison is a, is a good example. Uh, Terry, uh, our, our attack's a little bit more fun to watch this season, wouldn't you say? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the most changed of the, of the, the, the positions of the pitch, I think, um, up front. It's still not... Still not there, still not perfect. I mean, last season, they had a really difficult job on the club. They, they botched it badly anyway, but they had to replace a player in Lukaku who the whole team had been built around. Like We we saw how bad we were without him and how much we were set up to sort of bring out his strengths and hide his weaknesses. And we've started to see that now from Lukaku at Man United, that it went both ways without the team built to suit him. He's not as good a player. So last season we brought in Sandro, who hardly kicked the ball, and if he if he did get it, he got pushed off it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, then we tried to basically replace him. We replace Lukaku's goals with midfield players, so the attack was just so yeah. weak last season. And that's something Silver has addressed straight away. He's gone out and he's spent money on Richarlison, a player he really, you know. He's got faith in, he's brought, he brought him to the country and they've got this special relationship between each other. He sees him as this young, burgeoning superstar player. Went out and got Bernard, which took everyone by surprise, if you can remember, when, when the story broke about Bernard, that he might like he hadn't even been mm-hmm. linked with us in the papers very much or, or any media at all. He just sort of, one night at about, I remember, I remember it that well, one night at about seven, eight o'clock, he just came up on, on Twitter mm-hmm. that, oh, Everton are going to sign Bernard. And I think two days later, he was signed. Mm-hmm. And he's um, he's adapting quite well. He's he's yet to get majorly involved in like the goals or the assists. But he's, you know, he's. I thought he'd take the best part of a season just to get to grips with the physicality of the league, considering his size. But he's, he's a really hard-working, really industrious player. And I think it's only a matter of time before he starts, you know, racking up the stats and... The the attack is a mile a mile different. When you when you were watching last season, Balassi fall over the ball and and um, poor Calvert Lewin who who was doing you know like a, a thankless task of, of you know trying to do the job of three strikers mm-hmm. and it only really improved when we got Tosin and Walcott. But the fact now that Tosin and Walcott are two players with question marks over them starting because we've improved that mm-hmm. much. You know Luckman's come back and he's playing really well and then the the other two Brazilian players so. It's changed a lot, and I, I long may continue. There's still more players to buy, hopefully in January. And yeah, I mean the attack was probably the first thing that needed fixing about that team that Allardyce left. Max, you in agreement with all that? Yeah, definitely. And I think it, what you said before, it, like Silva's philosophy of football by default creates chances. Like I just think naturally, you know, we we are going to be a team that creates chances because he's so forward thinking. And just to comment on his man management skills again, I, I think mm-hmm. the the tales of Adamola Luckman is a perfect example of how he's managed to get all the players on his side. Because you know, by all reports, we were pretty much a split camp after the the monstrosity of last season. To have you know such a gem of Adamola Luckman look like he's playing for the shirt now and being one of the better players when he's coming off the bench and he looks hungry. You know, you've got to credit the manager for that too. Um, as Teddy said, you know, we're, we're still not there yet. 
and but you know we've said this countless times over the last couple of weeks we you know we're needing that world class star to lead the line that will you know bag and, and get and guarantees you know even if it's not goals assists mm-hmm. because you know we, we we are looking not not dry because I know I know Richardson's got eight but you know we we are we're dependent on Sigurdsson chipping in and things like this so you know incremental improvements mm-hmm. but a lot better than last season. Yeah, I think uh, the main thing about our attack for me is if we can come up with more ways to score. You know, very often we we look like when we need a goal, going down the wings, going down the wings, crossing repeatedly, going back, crossing, and uh, it's it's pretty frustrating to watch at times when it feels like every single one of our crosses is going straight to the opposition. Um, especially the ones that are coming from the right. Um, but uh, I think that's something that will be addressed soon, though. Um, our defense, I think uh, a lot of people, as soon as Silva was brought in, there were some, I thought they were a little bit lazy, the comparisons from uh, from him to Martinez, uh, basically saying, oh, it's all going to be about scoring goals, we're going to ship a bunch of goals. In the beginning we did, especially on set pieces, especially on corners, that it's almost like our guys have begun to settle in when, uh, with the zonal marking and they're starting to figure out the system, which is fantastic. Um, and we are we're not allowing as much in terms of silly goals. Uh, now it's like they're earning their goals at least. <laughs> it's not like we're getting clean sheets lately. Um, so Terry, a little bit on our on our defensive style. Uh, yeah, and where we're where we're sitting right now. Defensively or midfield? You know what? Let's do do both. Do both because I feel like midfield plays into that. You know what I mean? Especially like with Adrissa Gay and Gomez, frankly. Yeah, well, it, it's that's improved as well a great deal considering Sam Allardyce is meant to be this master of defence, which uh, we didn't see when he was here. So... Um, it took a while. Like at first, that was a major problem. It was like, oh no! Like, like you touched on it then. Like the comparison with Martinez, people were concerned. Like, we didn't want this again, where we we looked better going forward, but it was built on sand because we kept conceding. But until this recent run of games, the defense had actually started to click, and not just a set group of players either. It looked really good when it had Keane and Zuma. Um, and now it looks, you know, pretty good with Keane and Mina too. Um, you know, the last game notwithstanding, but it, it's just it, honestly, it's as, it's as simple as I don't even think even think he's changed the style that much. It's just better players. Mm. It's there is a world of difference with having Williams and Martina as your left um, centre back and left back compared to having um, Mina or Zuma alongside uh, Luca Dean. We've gone. We've they, these are players that he signed um, that have taken us up a level and just the most appropriate player to bring up after that would be Andre Gomez because even at offensively, obviously he's he's really he's really potent because he's 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 linking a lot of the attacks and he's often the pass before the assist, you know, that kind of thing, and he's 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 got the uh, the assist as well. But that he, he's a perfect out ball. Every time the defence are under any pressure, they look to find him. And when they find him, 
he just gets everyone out of danger. He just transitions the ball into a different part of the pitch. If he gets pressured um, on his right foot, he just literally shift, shifts his body and then sprays it with his left and vice versa. Mm. He's such he calms the whole team down. The team are comfortable in possession when they can see him with a pass because they know if if they give it to him, they won't lose it. So it it's took a while as the players started to you know come into the team slowly. The likes of Mina, the likes of Gomez, you know, to get over injuries. But I think the defense is is, is getting there now. It's it's a lot better than it was at the start of the season, and it's had a bit of a wobble of late. But I think it'll it'll click back again soon I just think uh, it's got the, it's, it has got a weakness at right back that needs sorting out indeed uh, I will agree better players huge part of it I I also think Silva is really detail oriented in terms of making sure people know their roles look situationally this mm. is what you're going to be doing at this time alright I feel like he really really is very specific and yeah I, I love seeing that from a coach when they're that specific about their details um i mm. i get the vibe that sam wasn't at many practices last season so that's a thing how can you connect with players if you've got you know your other coaches doing all the work for you whatever mm. bygone era <laughs> it's old news so max uh talk a little bit about how the signings for this system uh, that's I think that's one of the things that uh, we were kind of getting into there. The idea that uh, he's made specific signings to fit how he wants to play. Yeah, no, they, they were huge, and the, you know, they they're arguably what the entire system revolves around. Uh, I, I, you know, I was I was preparing myself to comment on the on the defensive midfield situation, but I suppose it, it ties into it. The fact that the fact that he managed to get two centre halves in on deadline day, like who'd have ever thought of that in your wildest dreams? Who you think who's coming. thinking we're getting Yeri Mina yeah. and Kurt Zuma and you know, it's really impressive and you know, obviously the targets are identified and put forward by Marcel Brands and Silver seems to be on the same wavelength as him and you know, it bodes well for us going forward. Thing is as well, I think not just the new signings, but each and every player now, even the ones that he's inherited. There seems to be like a, a built-in defensive work ethic there. Mm-hmm. Like, particular, we mentioned like the likes of Bernard as well, which you wouldn't Definitely. expect a defensive work rate from. Sigurdsson's another one. I think the you know the general fitness of the of, of the teams improved massively as well, particularly for them games. You know, the the most successful case being that nil nil at Chelsea away, where you know you press them to the halfway, keep them caged. Stay disciplined. You know, they seem to be, you know, the, the players look disciplined. I think that's the point yeah. that I'm trying to get to. They, you know, they seem, as you say, they seem, they seem like they've been well-versed in, you know, a detailed fashion of what their roles is and what's expected of them. And it it's unlikely that they won't match those standards each game. Yeah, enthusiastic as well. You know, as you alluded to, that man management, they all... The players who are playing all seem like they want to be there, which is nice. I'm sure there are players who are not playing who are ready to peace out and head to France or you know some somewhere else. But uh, yeah, uh, there's there's just this con- contagious enthusiasm, which is really great to see on those uh, those Everton uh, unseen videos. Love that. 
I think that's massive because that was very much missing oh. last season. And the fact that he's united the camp is just it. I think that cannot be understated how important that mm. is for the supporters as much as anything because it's easier to get behind a team that feels like they get behind themselves. Whereas it was depressing last season. Mm. Just look, it was hard to be enthusiastic about a club that were managed by Sam Allardyce and all the players, but we didn't want to be there and hated it. Now you've got you know. Yeah, I mean, at the training ground, like, like jumping all over, like um, Luca Dean when he when he nutmegged them and in training that. and all that. It's just everything, everything he um, Silver has the the club hit the reset button in the summer, and Silver has he's done a lot more than he has any right to do at this point. I thought we'd be a lot further back than we are. In the in the redevelopment in, of the club, yeah, our own enthusiasm for the second half of the season. Uh, I see this as being a situation that's only going to continue to get better. Terry's nodding his head. Max is nodding his head. We agree, guys? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That just sounds lovely. <laughs> that's that's nice, you know? Because, um, like I said, not, last season was not too far away. When you read interviews from like people like Davy Clausen, who was very frank about what last season was like, that just sounds like a nightmare, you know, and it totally showed. Mm. It showed. So, yeah. So I'd say uh, half half season review, half year review for Silva, uh, good marks. Really good marks. Um, you know, it's not, it's not perfect, but, I mean, aside from being like a straight-up miracle worker, how would it be? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Terry against Max in a cage match of Toffee's wisdom, wit, and might. So, guys, this time we're going to be, it's, it's one of those where we have to name all the starters and the people that played in a match. It's a historic match. Uh, so, if you, don't, if you don't know how this works, uh, I don't want to explain it. So just pay attention and maybe you'll figure it out. There's that. So, um, uh, who called it last time? Me, I think. So. You All right, know. Max. Tails. Max, uh, I have a memory card. That's mm-hmm. heads. That is tails. Tails. He's calling it before I even flip it. It is heads. <laughs> so, Terry. First or second? Second. Oh. Okay, Ter- Terry wants to go second. Max is going first. Uh, cue intense quiz music. It kind of slowly ramps up. Very difficult to do the volume when you're editing this. Okay, there it is. So, guys, I want to know. Actually, Quizmaster John wants to know. Uh... Who was the starting 11 and the subs that played during Everton's 2-0 loss to Benfica, November 5th, 2009? Um, oh, bloody hell, I thought you were going to pick like the 6-1. But no, oh, I'd, I'd know the 6-1, but I don't know the 2-1. I'll say Seamus Coleman. 
Well, that's not one. No, I knew that. I knew it. Fuck it up. <laughs> he, play, he played in the he played in the six one. So I'm thinking, did he play in the two 0 No, obviously. And he was he was the left back in the six one, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he played left back in the six one. Yep. I was talking to John about this earlier. Yeah. He said he said he said Terry and Max are going to talk about the blowout one and, and Benfica was stacked that year. Yeah, David Luiz. Yep. Fucking know their team better than Eleven's. <laughs> uh, Terry, you got this? Yeah, yeah. Um, my turn. Sure. Okay. Uh, Tim Howard. Well, that was uh, pretty pretty easy and quick. Uh, yes, Tim Howard was started. <laughs> We'll, st- we'll 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 go again. This the the Coleman one. Um, it was such a traumatizing game. The other one, I think Max got a bit of PTSD. I know I have. So. <laughs> oh, uh, Tony Hibbert then. Tony Hibbert did start that one. Yes. Um, must have been in Baines then. Yes, Baines was in. Phil Jagielka. Um, no. No. Jagielka was not even on the bench. Oh, he'll, he'll, he'll have been injured. I remember he had, a, he had a lengthy injury that season. Jo- Joseph Yobo, if it wasn't Jagielka. Joseph Yobo did start. Because he didn't start the uh, away match, if I recall, and then played for Nigeria a couple of days later. He ruled himself out of the Benfica away game. Um, uh, through injury and then played for his national team very quickly after and I think Moyes washed his hands of him then and we never oh. he didn't be or didn't play for Everton very much again Fenerbahce alright I don't want to do this it's pretty much over Terry has won okay yeah, so Max just say a name James Wallace because I know he played for us at one point in the uh, in that James York. Wallace was on the bench but didn't play. Yeah. Okay, Terry. Um. Tinia Billy Letanov. Yes, he started. Sylvan Distan. He started. Tim Kale. He started. Marwan Fellaini. He started. Yakubu. Yakubu started. Luis He did not. This is not your round, Max. Oh, Max, your <laughs> guys. I think Dan Gosling played. Did he, he did. Play? Yeah, in he did. in that case, did Jack Rodwell play as well? Yes, he did. You only have uh, subs in now. Because that's all the starters. Um, the 2 now. Let me think. Ooh. One of the earlier... Brazilians? Did Joe play? Oh. Yes, he did. He came in for Gosling oh, in the 69th minute. Poor Joe. Oh, my God, I hated him. Him. Oh, Phil Neville. No. No. He was not even on the bench. I remember there was there was a few kids on the bench. Kieran Agard. Yes. Yeah. He came in for Yakubu in the 81st minute. 
the subs that didn't play, do y'all want to have a crack at that? Uh, Coleman, by the way, was on the bench. Hope he did not play. Hope Achpan. Nope. No. Jose Baxter? Yes. He was on the bench. Two others. We've had Sam Wallace, haven't we? Yeah, or James, James Wallace. Yeah, James Wallace. Ah, Jake Jake Bidwell. Jake Bidwell. No. No. There's only two other names left. Ah. Football Mike for Shane Duffy. Yes. Oh, yes. So we've had Wallace, Wallace Duffy. Is that Yam? Will it be Yam Mocker? No. No? Not Yam Mocker. Carlo Nash? Yes. Uh, I was about to give you a wrestling hint. Big <laughs> 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 sexy Kevin Nash. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, he has the same last name as a big sexy wrestler. So <laughs> He's cool. Yeah. I've met him in real life and he's such a cool guy. He's a big oh. guy though. He's like, he is literally six foot, like nine, ten or something like that. Jesus. Seven foot nearly. I've met the right. M-Pug. The M-Pug, most famous person I've ever met, ever. Who is? CM Punk. Oh. I'm not sure if I know who that is. Sure. Uh, he's, he, got, he, got, he was massive in WWE and then went to the UFC and got, got banjo within two fights. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what he's doing now. But... Okay. Well, I guess this is it for, uh, for if you know your history. Terry, congratulations. Uh, this may have been more more of a Terry category. Uh, plus Max is just all confused with, with life and hormones just going wild. So Terry, congratulations. What are we listening to today? Because you know your history. I'm going to go with a song that I think a few Evertonians could do with listening to right now. And it's a great song anyway for anyone who likes the Sopranos. So I'm going to go with Don't Stop Believing by Jamie. <laughs> oh, tent, that scene. Don't Stop Believing. So, talking about controversial things, you've gone from getting beat by Benfica to the last scene in The Sopranos. Fucking hell. R.I.P. Tony Soprano. Gutted. Yeah, I actually thought you were going to pick like the Sopranos theme at first. No. You know, that, 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 opening. that is that's uh, I think don't stop believing him is one for the for the Everton fans on mass at this time like a couple of bad results let's not get too carried away yeah it's very on the nose <laughs> oh yeah I don't I don't do so yeah. there's no subtlety there no it's uh, you just reminded me when you mentioned Sopranos and I, I thought about that opening theme it reminded me of the Simpsons when they started off with the yeah. that Oh, well, Max, Max's head is so far gone when he gets to the gym he's going to probably do what Homer does in the gym and use the machine drunk <laughs> in, in the game what's a game? <laughs> the game because <laughs> he's just he won't know where he is or what, he, or what he's there for <laughs> oh, I know need to get me out right. so as we as we listen to um the inspirational sounds of, of Journey and Steve Perry. Uh, it's time to end uh, the big show. Thanks so much for listening to the Toffee Blues podcast. Hey, why don't you subscribe 
that would be nice. Uh, rate it, that kind of thing. Uh, if for some reason you're just a, a crazy person and want to see our faces, check out the YouTube channel, Toffee Blue's YouTube channel. We've got some people watch us there, you know. Um, yeah, so check us out there. Check out Terry on the Liverpool Echo Fan Jury. Check out Max, well, in lots of places, but uh, specifically on the Toffee Blues website. Just check out the Toffee Blues website. All things Everton there. Some uh, some quality contributions from from our friends there. Um, additionally, follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That is all, uh, gentlemen. Max, enjoy your gym session before your date, and I hope the date goes well. I hope we haven't scrambled your brain too much. I hope you'll be okay. For the people listening, he's flipping me off. Just, just say no, 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 only scratching me chin. Yeah, scratching. <laughs> yeah. Chesting your chin. That old, um, that old chestnut. That, that old chestnut. <laughs> uh, but thanks, Max. Appreciate it, man. As always. Sort of, as always. That's that's what he meant to say. Uh, so, Terry, thanks, man. Always a pleasure. See you soon. Yeah, I appreciate uh, a little bit of Journey. And uh, for everybody else out there, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, listen to Journey. Do what Terry says. And uh, we'll be back later on in the week. So, bye. <laughs>